Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for another day not promised to us. And we ask you, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. I'm grateful for this time that you've given us with our brothers and sisters, Lord, that we get yet another day that we may partake in your word, that we may be edified by your spirit, that we may do all things, Lord, that you call us to that we may seek your face, that we may learn of your righteousness, and that we may have your spirit, Lord, to empower us to do the things that we do. And, Lord, I'm just asking that no flesh be glorified tonight. I'm asking that no man's heart be hurt. I'm asking in Jesus' name that you can just teach us, Lord. Let your spirit fall mightily today. And if it means be, Lord, then let your power be on display. Lord, I pray that you open the eyes of those who can't see in the ears of those who can't hear and those who want to come after you, Lord, but they don't know what they believe. I just pray that you open hearts, you open minds. I pray, Lord, that you just give us more time to win souls into the kingdom. For Lord, this is a rotten world. This is a wretched world. This world never meant to do your people any good. So we're just asking for more grace that we just fall in line with you, that we get to understand what you desire for us and that we may walk in it. So I pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit, Lord, that is not of you, I pray in Jesus' name that you bind it up, that you cast it out, that you lay it out, Lord, that it would be an example of what we shouldn't do. And, Lord, we just need a special work tonight on the heart because that's what we're going to be talking about. This is what you put on us to understand, that if we don't love our brother the way that you call us to, then all of this is in vain. How can any man say that he loves God whom he cannot see and not love his brothers that he sees daily? I pray, Lord, that you just give us a heart heart work, Lord, that you just operate on us, that you fix us where we need to be, that we can see, that we can feel, that we can hear, that we can taste and we can touch what you want us to, for we be truly born again in doing what you call. For you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, you are faithful, you are just, and you are true, and you are worthy of all praises. Well, we pray, Lord, that you do all these things for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight what we're going to be talking about is a call to anguish. A call to anguish. And uh, one reason why I went here... And I just feel like it's time. The Lord's been working on my heart lately. He's been sharing a lot of his heart with me. 
And I remember the first time I heard someone say that they shared their heart or the Lord shared their heart with them. Remember, it was Marge, one of our elders. And she said, I remember she woke up one morning. She said she shared her heart with the Lord and she felt like her heart was going to explode. She said so much love flooded into it, so much pain, so much hurt, so much sorrow for, you know, just anything that it just made her, it, it just overtook her. And I prayed this week, you know, a similar prayer. I didn't ask to feel what the Lord felt. I just spent a few days, you know, fasting, praying, trying to be closer to the Lord, trying to read his word. And, you know, when I got up yesterday, I didn't really sleep much. It's like something just stayed on my mind. And it just kept me like from um, sleeping. And I was like, man, should I get down in prayer? But I was kind of lazy and I just, you know, stayed up. But then I did wake up about eight o'clock and I mean, I had like really serious pains in my chest. And I started thinking like, man, maybe there's something wrong with me. Like I'm getting sick or whatever. But then it, it became a little bit different because I began to think of all the people that we ministered to, all the people that actually came here and aren't here anymore. All the battles, all the fights, all these things about bringing people to the truth in Christ. You know, and when you go out there and you minister and you just really want people, you try and compel them to come to Jesus and they won't. I mean, all these things were just laid on my heart this week. And then I heard about our sister, Aline, you know, with everything that she's going through. And then Andrew, whose mom has got brain cancer now, you know, and, and I tried to compel her to come to study. Like, why don't you come? You know, we can pray for you and everything. And she's like, no, I'm good. And, you know, these things are just kind of hurtful because you know that Jesus is the answer for so much. But so many people just won't come in. And the Lord began to tell me about those that I've ministered to with everything. And these people just wouldn't receive Jesus no matter what. And then there were people that I spent very little time talking to about the Lord, coaching in the Lord, teaching, spending time with that have fallen away and going to do something else. And, you know, I, he just put it on my heart that unless we love our neighbor, I mean, we just can't do what God says. And he didn't just say, love your neighbor. And, and that's where a lot of people stop when they deal with stuff like this. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you know that you wouldn't go a whole day without showering if you can avoid it, you know? You know that you would make sure you had a good night's sleep. You know that you would eat everything that you could possibly eat to sustain yourself. And, and you would just look after you, is what I'm saying. But we don't have that love towards our brother, you know? And... and we need to really be honest with this because what I'm telling you is something that I know about myself. As much as I want to preach the gospel in love, I got to make sure that there's no vanity in there trying to be seen, trying to work your way to heaven. I'm talking about pure love for your brother. You know, and this is something that we need to learn to act at, or act with in a pure heart, understanding God, understanding what the purpose of all of this is for. But you know, it, it really hurt me with Aline because... I would reach out to her and talk to her, and she would tell me certain things she was struggling with. Some things I could help and other things I couldn't. But, you know, when we exchanged numbers that day, and this is no blow at anybody, okay? This is something that we can all learn. But when we all exchanged numbers that day, that we were going to, you know, start a, uh, what's that thing called? Like the multiple text thing in the morning, you know, start a prayer thing, like to get everybody motivated. 
you know, all that was great. But if we exchange numbers, man, we should have been checking on each other. If, if I don't talk to you guys in like a week or so and I realize y'all don't get back to me, I'm checking and seeing how you guys are doing. Why? Because you're my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Whatever struggles that you guys have, I have too. If something's not right with you, something is not right with me. But it's just something that he's putting on us to let us know that we got to love each other. And that's the whole thing. What's a, what's a two-minute call? Hey, man, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Hey, guys. You know, are you doing okay? Is there anything I can help? I don't like to hear about anybody in here going through any heart pains. I don't like to hear about anybody in here falling away. I don't like to hear of anybody in here not being able to pay their bills or whatever the situation might, might be. You know, and, and what, what David Wilkerson, he actually inspired me to do this teaching. We're going to hear a clip of his teaching too, but he talked about a call to anguish, that there should be a hurt, there should be pain in your heart for those who don't have. And there's a big difference, as he said, between anguish and concern. Concern is, oh, he's hungry, give him a meal. Anguish is to cry out to the Lord in great pain and distress, to recognize, God, you know, this is a hopeless situation. And all we want to do is help people come to the truth. All we want to do is try and intervene for those who are lost, for those who are struggling. You know, and this is not a... a trying to get down on anybody, I'll start first with myself. I know that there are things that I could be doing for other brethren and worrying about them and praying for them because we're not in this fight by ourselves. And that's something that we just got to understand. So, you know, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight because if you look at the prophets, if you even look at our Lord and Savior, there was anguish in the heart of the Lord. There was anguish to go through what he went through for you and I. And we've got to learn to love our neighbors like that. The problem ain't, you know, just learning the Bible. Many of us are well-versed in this word. Many of us are going out and preaching the gospel. But where's the real anguish? When does your time ever let up in ministry? When is your time ever truly in? It never does. There's sometimes the Lord will wake you up in your sleep just to go and get on your knees because there's someone out there that needs prayer. And I'm not trying to make this hard on anybody because, like I said, what I'm saying right now, I'm beginning with, with myself. But my sister, Elaine, you know, we don't know where she is. Hopefully she's in a good situation, but we could have reached out to her, guys. You know, at, at, there were some points where she actually needed a brother or sister in the Lord to go and have coffee, go and have breakfast, tell her everything's going to be okay. Now, we do understand it's a two-way street, but we're in ministry. And that's what people do in ministry. God gives them their, his heart that we reach out to those who can't get there. Even if we got to take a Bible study to someone's house who's sick and shut in, we'll do that. We've done that in the past. But these are things that we got to learn to love our brother. You know, we've got to be as concerned for our salvation as we are for theirs. There should be no disparity between your cares and theirs. I know what the world preaches. I know what the world says. The world says, love yourself and everything else can come a close second. Well, the, the Lord tells you and I that we should love him first with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Much of why we don't do what the Lord tells us to is lack of love. Sometimes it's not even fear because the Bible makes clear to us that perfect fear, I mean, perfect love casteth out fear. So our problem is a lack of love. It's got nothing to do with fear. 
And it ain't just love for your brother, it's love for the Lord. What he sees you doing right now, what he expects of you and I. And I'm not going to go too far on this. You know, I just want to make that point. I feel bad for what happened to our sister. I feel bad for what's going on with our sister, Melissa, and how, you know, Sam and Deborah extended that she could actually take Easton to the conference. You know how Christina, you know, she'll send encouraging messages in the morning, you know, for things, and Sarah and James and everybody else. But, you know, the Lord is actually calling for us to be available to him so that his work can be done. You know, and, and this is the only reason why we're in ministry. This is the only reason that we're learning the word, that we may impact the life of others because Christ lives in us. That's what this is all about, you know. So it was a very hurtful week because in many ways I feel like I failed, you know. And, and I mean, it's just people that will just want you, you know, and just desire little things. And it's like, man, we can't even do that. You mean to say work is more important than your brother or sister? Even ministry, even preaching Bible sermons and studies are more important than going and checking on somebody, making sure that they're okay? I mean, that's just something for us to check within ourselves. There's something not right there that God needs to get through to that we can be like him. Come on, we're dead if we don't have the heart of Christ. to not do something on the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. It says, no, when someone goes astray, you go get them. Um, so it's the, same, it's the same aspect. You know, we shouldn't hold anything above our brother because a life is um, uncomparable to anything. Yeah, and I know, you know, with messages like this, you're going to hear, well, you know, God has his time for everybody. Man, I hear all of that. But let's be realistic. If the people that thought it was necessary to preserve the word of God, even though many of them were burned at the stake, even though many of them have suffered persecution, if they thought it was just important enough for this thing to be transferred from the Greek, you know, unto every language and being burned at the stake, being killed, then who are we to not even treasure this enough to continue the work? Those people, all they were doing was what the apostles did, what the, what the prophets did before them. You know how God had to intervene many times in history just to find someone that was willing to go forward and do what he says. And you know, let's, let's get into it. But let's start in Isaiah 53. Let's start there and let's begin in verse 1. But you know, this study is called A Call to Anguish. David Wilkerson preached that day. It was in 2002, a perfect sermon that we're going to hear some of it, but... One thing I love about him, he held back nothing, and he understood unless there is an anguish, he believed all ministry was born from. If there's no anguish, there's no ministry, because you won't continue and do what the Lord says to do. So let's go to Isaiah 53, and let's begin at verse 1. Mm. 
You know, we got to lay it all on the Lord's shoulders, but all he wants is willing vessels that his work might be done. So this is Isaiah 53. Let's look at verse 1, and it says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So God the Father's master stroke here was, because um, Isaiah's asking, who's believed this report that the Messiah would come and do all that he did? But the Father's master stroke is he sent the Lord Jesus Christ into this world, not even a good-looking man. Jesus was very unattractive. Okay, the Bible makes that clear right here. There was nothing about Jesus that would have been desirable. This would have had to have been a heart-to-heart, truth-to-truth thing to understand where Jesus was coming from. He wasn't rich. He was nobody respectable in society. Only full of the Spirit of God that God's will would be done. So God the Father knew, if I sent him good-looking, yeah, there may be some people that would follow him and want to be like him. If God the Father said, man, you know, he's so full of, you know, my power, and I'm just going to send him to the earth like that, then everybody would worship him because of the power. But they wouldn't worship and believe the very things that he said. This is what it's about. So verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. That word for sorrows there is the same word that we use for anguish. So he was a man of many pains that went through a whole lot and acquainted with grief. So it's not like he just experienced grief. Grief followed him everywhere he went. He was acquainted with grief. All right. And we hid, our, we hid as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and he was esteemed. I mean, and we esteemed him not. So Jesus was hated. Okay. He was hated by the world. He was hated by those that were religious leaders. He was hated by those who didn't want the truth. They just wanted to stay as they were. And those who loved the world definitely hated him. So verse 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs. Okay, so now we're getting somewhere. He didn't just borne his grief. The Bible made clear that he was despised. He was rejected. He dealt with a lot of sorrow. But now he didn't just bear his griefs. He bore our griefs. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. And carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. So this is what we thought of the very liberator that thought nothing of himself to make sure that you and I can obtain a beautiful salvation today. But he was wounded for our transgressions. What is transgression? Willful sin. Okay, even though the children of Israel knew what the right way was with the Lord, they still went left. You can go every other chapter. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And these are the same people that he led across the Red Sea, that he, he fed in the, um, in the wilderness with manna. He performed miracle after miracle, made their enemies their footstool, and they still couldn't obey him. Sounds like a people we know today. He was bruised. That word for bruised means crushed for our iniquities. And uh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So, you know, if you go to any other place where the Bible talks about what he suffered, man, it was a brutal thing. I mean, even that movie, The Passion of the Christ, 
that doesn't do justice to what happened to Jesus Christ. They would not have been able to air it if we really saw what happened to him. Okay? All right, so it says, uh, All we, uh, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. So even though he endured all this, he made clear that the people couldn't even be faithful. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. So Jesus could have defended himself and said, you know, I'm an innocent man. I'm only here to help the world out and the world doesn't want me. So now that I'm rejected in the world that I made, I can just leave. But he opened not his mouth because it was his responsibility to bear the sin of the world. Now, if the Bible says that all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus, we know that he created the world too and all that was in it. He created Adam and Eve. Now, imagine having a God so great that he made a world perfect, but the world disobeyed him and went their own way, would not hearken unto his voice, but yet he took the responsibility upon himself, obeying his father, to step into a world that he made that rebelled against him that he had to fix. He bore the sin of us all. He knew that only the blood of God would be able to redeem man. And he's taking the responsibility on himself instead of saying, you know what, I made you guys perfect. You know, and this is why ministry helps to mature people in many ways and why it's a long road. Why? Because you're going to go through this. You're going to feel at times like nobody cares. No one's concerned. Everyone's doing their thing. But that's only meant to mature you so that way you can understand what long suffering, what patience is, what we do to Jesus Christ. He went first. And to me, that makes him a king of kings. Even if the Lord never did anything for me ever again, guess what? He's still king of kings. Whether I make it to heaven or not, whether I obey him or not, he's still king of kings. He's worthy of that honor because he paid the price. That's the God that we serve. So he didn't even defend himself. Verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living for the transgression of, of my people. He was stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. So can you even imagine living a whole life with no deceit? This is what I'm talking about where we need our nature changed. Where we really need to understand because there's so many things that we can even do right here in the word of God, in teaching, in ministry. That can have a little bit of deceit in it. You know, we can, if we really examine ourselves to the fullest, how many times are we actually talking that people understand God and want to draw into relationship? And how much of it is flesh that wants to be heard? That's neither here nor there. That's just something for everybody to think about within themselves. What God operates out of is a pure heart. So he says, yet it pleased the Lord, it pleased the Father to bruise him, to crush him, to maul him, to mutilate him. He hath put him to grief when thou, hast, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed 
he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteousness, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. There's no Christ, there's no salvation. Therefore, in everything that Jesus got, we were supposed to get. See, a lot of people think it was the devil that killed Jesus. The devil didn't kill Jesus. That was the wrath of the Father that he allowed to happen to his son. That's what that was. God the Father was done with man. He wanted to judge man. He wanted to come after man. But Jesus stood in the gap to redeem man. Everything that Jesus got was supposed to be for you and I. All right, so verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressions. So when it says he poured out his soul unto death, that means he bled out in everything that it took him to not give in. I mean, he left on that cross. It took everything in him to remain obedient. And the only way that any of us could ever be like that or to do what he says is to truly deny yourself. Because if we got goals, if we got dreams, if we got things that we want aside from the will of God, if you're carnal, you'll always place those things before the will of the Lord. Now, you know what we could do because we have to live in this life. I get it. We should ask the Lord to prioritize what we do. Let God determine where you work, who you marry, where you go, how you do it, you know? But we must remain faithful because he never thought of his life one moment. So when people try and bring up to me, yeah, we got to live here, we got to do this and that, I hear you, but I don't. Because Jesus only lived for 33 years to do what God told him to do. And this is what, look at Stephen, stoned at what, 20, 21 years old? Because he was preaching the gospel. And I'm not trying to make this real hard tonight, okay? We all have to reach the place of Christ being formed in us to maturing to this place. But what I'm saying is we have a selfless God. And our selfless God had selfless servants. And those selfless servants suffered. They struggled. They went through whatever it took out of love for him first. And then for you and I second, that we might inherit eternal life. So he said, therefore, will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And as he still does to this day, you know, there's only one mediator we have between us and the wrath of God, between us and the devil having his way with us. And that is the man, the Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. If it's not for him, this world would have been destroyed a long time ago. So we need to take this grace and do what God tells us to do. Because, man, this is a precious, this is a beautiful grace. This is a grace that, you know, this is an amazing grace, like we talked about a week ago, that we just can't wipe our feet on like that. It's time to call out to him. It's time to ask him to give us his heart so that we understand that his love is not something that can be mimicked by the world. You can only have that by knowing Christ. What did he do with those who were of him? You know, who were his followers? He gave them his heart. And that's the only true way to serve. Hosea, you're going to marry a whore. 
okay? Because I want you to feel what I feel. You know, Isaiah, yeah, I'm going to purge your mouth clean. He told Ezekiel, you know, you're going to have a, um, make, I made your forehead hard. I made you to have a hard face so you can look at them. Jeremiah said, there's danger on every side of me. There's fear everywhere. But he continued preaching the gospel. Why? Because of his love for God. That's the only way we're going to get it is if we understand what anguish is. So I'm not going to talk too much. I'm going to give David Wilkerson his time. And then we're going to get into others that have dealt with anguish and how it benefited them to do the will of the Lord. If anybody wants to add anything they can, if not, I'm just going to start this video real quick. But it's called A Call to Anguish. We're only going to hear a little bit of it, but, you know, he poured out his heart in this, and I wish there were more preachers like this. Quick question in regards to Christ's death. Yeah. Uh, do you think that the devil was aware that Jesus was dying for our sins, or do you think that the devil was just taking advantage of the opportunity to, to persecute the Son of God? I think he knew. I think, you know, like, I, I even believe when the Lord told Satan that I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and I will bruise thy head. I think the devil, in the language that they speak and their wisdom, I think he understood. Because from that day on, he said, okay, since I know the Messiah is going to come through, but I, I don't think that he knew he was going to send his own son. I think that was the one that kind of took him back. But everything else, he knew, okay, so now I'm going to have these giants come down here these fallen angels, to mess up the, the gene pool so there'll be no Messiah. So I think that he Count came to... With Moses. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Exactly. So he came to destroy. Remember, he even had the giants in the land even before. So I think his plan was to get Jesus to give up. Mm -hmm. You know, but I don't think he knew that, you know... Well, he did know it was Jesus, obviously, but he had no idea what effect Jesus' death would have. That part, I would say, he was clueless about. I think he said, I'm going to make him give up. I don't want him to continue. But it was just like a pregnant spider. When Jesus was crushed, outran that life that all of us could have crushed. So he made his situation even worse. <laughs> you know? I mean, he tried to destroy the Messiah only to have the spirit run everywhere. And now he's like, you know, now what do I do? So I, I believe that he knew what Jesus was trying to accomplish. And that's why he was trying to make him give up. He was trying to make him consider himself. Remember, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, I'm going to come and try and put fear in him to keep him from going forward. So, yeah, I, I believe that he knew. And also, when you look at Pilate and what he said, he said, the blood is not on my hands, but it's on your hands. Mm -hmm. And they said, let the blood be on our hands and our children's children. Mm -hmm. That's, That's what ended up happening, mm -hmm. you know, but in a good way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, he knew. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, they knew, but it's, it's so funny. They see God doesn't tell the devil. He's thinking and he's planning. Even what he's doing today with this new world order and all, he has no idea what kind of fire that's going to light in the church. I think he does know, but right now his goal is to rock everybody to sleep and get our hearts after him, oh my gosh. so we won't be after Christ. But he knows for those who stay in Jesus, the devil learned. You can't beat up God's people for long and expect nothing to happen. He learned that we will eventually rebel. So what does he do now? Give you a slavery that you'll enjoy. Give you a rebellion that you would even question, I don't know. Because, I mean, God would kind of, I feel like he would want me to do this. Because that's your own flesh talking. 
So he gave you a slavery that you would enjoy. And that's why it's hard to wake people up today to say, hey, man, wake up. You know, we've got to be on task with what the Lord wants. The devil is no fool. So let's hear David Wilkerson, and this is called A Call to Anguish. A Call to Anguish. Would you open your Bibles to the first chapter of Nehemiah, please? Nehemiah, the first chapter. And would you please just leave that open on your lap? We'll get to it in the course of my message tonight. <clears throat> I, I would have a hard time preaching this if I... I believe my own flesh telling me that I... I preach too much of a heavy message. <clears throat> there have been times I've been to the Lord in the past months and Lord, can't you give me a happy? But I can't. Now God may be speaking to me. This may not be for you. It's a call to anguish. Lord, if you don't help me, I can't get through this. I can't. Lord, I'm too old for games. Foolishness. And I'm tired of rhetoric. Meaningless rhetoric. That never changes things. Lord, just help me. Help me. Folks, I'm tired of hearing about revival. I'm tired of hearing about awakenings. The last day outpourings of the Holy Spirit. I've heard that rhetoric for 50 years. Just rhetoric. No meaning whatsoever. I'm tired of hearing about people in the church who say they want their unsaved loved ones saved. I'm tired of hearing people say I'm concerned about my troubled marriage. Where does just talk? Rhetoric. I don't want to hear any more talk about how immoral America has become. How godless our society, how corrupt our business. I'm tired of hearing about Islam taking control and Christians losing power. How dead the church has become because of that too is rhetoric, meaningless. Away with all of our how-to conferences because they accomplish nothing. It's how to cope how to build a bigger church, how to reach the lost, how to improve your people's skills, and how to impact the world in this computer time. And I look at the whole religious scene today, and all I see are the inventions and ministries of man and flesh. 
It's mostly powerless. It has no impact on the world. And I see more of the world coming into the church and impacting the church rather than the church impacting the world. I see the music taking over the house of God. I see entertainment taking over the house of God. An obsession with entertainment in God's house, a hatred of correction and a hatred of reproof. Nobody wants to hear it anymore. Tell me now, how many churches have you visited recently? How, how many churches do you know where when you walk in, the Holy Ghost is so strong that every one of your sins are brought up before your face in the loving grace of God? When is the last time you've been to church where you've seen young people under such conviction because the people of God have been on their face and there's such a concern and there's such an agony that young people are falling on their faces and calling on God because a spirit of conviction is called down from heaven upon them? How many churches have you been lately where you Hear a word comes forth that so burns in your soul, you know it comes from heaven, you know it comes from the heart of God. I hope you hear it here. Whatever happened to anguish in the house of God? Whatever happened to anguish in the ministry? It's a word you don't hear in this pampered age. You don't hear it. Anguish means extreme pain and distress. The emotion so stirred that it becomes painful. Acute, deeply felt inner pain because of conditions about you, in you or around you. Anguish, deep pain, and sorrow, agony of God's heart. We've held on to our religious rhetoric and our revival talk, but we've become so passive. Our so-called awakenings, our stirrings, last but a short time, and when the last, when the short-lived revivings and awakenings come from the hand of God, they are so short-lived. And in those times, we promise God we'll never return to our passivity. But it's not long, it's just weeks or months and we're back and this time we slip further back into passivity than when we started. I speak from experience. When we say this time, oh God, you've touched me for life, I'll never be the same. And it's like fireworks. A loud bang and a lot of noise and then it dies. All true passion is born out of anguish. All true passion for Christ comes out of a baptism of anguish. You search the scripture and you'll find that when God determined to recover a ruined situation, he would seek out a praying man and he'd take him down into the waters of anguish. He would share his own anguish for what 
God saw happening to his church and to his people. And he would find a praying man and he would take that man and literally baptize him in anguish. You find it in the book of Nehemiah. Jerusalem is in ruins. This is the center of God's interest on earth at the time. This holy city, and it's wasted, and it's full of iniquity, mixed marriages with the heathen. They were enslaving their own people, making slaves out of the poor. The house of God was polluted with filth. The high priest was in league with Tobiah, heathen, reprobate. And how is God going to deal with this? How is God going to restore the ruin? How does he do it? What does he do? You see, we face a similar situation, except ours is many times worse. The time when men, according to prophecy of Jesus, wax worse and worse that is happening. A church that's defiled with pedophilia, child molestation, incest, adultery, a nation in a moral landslide that's inundated with pornographic filth that the whole world blushes at. And now out of Cannes Film Festival, according to the New York Times, there's a new movie about to hit the shores of the United States with 13, 14-year-old kids having unspeakable kinds of sex with adults. And they said at the Cannes Film Festival, it's the boast. Con festival that we have not only pushed the envelope, we've gone over the edge. And America's now ripe for it. The, royal, the ruin and moral chaos is corrupting the house of God also. How else do you explain that multiplied numbers of Christians? Go home and watch HBO, a program I've never seen. I don't have television, but I read about it in the newspaper today in the New York Times called The Sopranos. This is a mafia bunch that kill and murder and maim. Gratuitous sex, cheating, lying, mafia. And we have... Millions of Christians now in the United States getting together and talking about the next show, and they're addicted to it. Addicted. Some of you are hearing me now? That's your favorite show. No laughing. This is life and death. mercy, grace, and love, covenant of love. I believe in preaching the goodness and long-suffering of Christ. But multitudes today are being saturated with your okay messages. 
And we've got people now that are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. We become like the children of Israel who said the right words. But here's what God said. I've heard the words of this people. They have well said all that they have spoken. All that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. He said, oh, you have the right words. You sing the right songs. But your heart is not right. Nehemiah verses 1 through 3. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass the month of Chislu. In the 20th year, I was in Shushan the palace. And Hanani, one of my brethren, came. He and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that escaped, which were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. It came to pass. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Here was the word. Here, 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 here was a delegation from the ruined city of Jerusalem coming to Nehemiah, which said Jerusalem is broken down, the walls are down, there's ruin, nothing but ruin. Now these, I'm sure, were godly men, these were good men, but they, they had no concept of how God was going to deal with the situation, how he was going to bring about a recovery. They had no concept of what God was going to do. They had no call they could see was ruin and brokenness and despair and hopelessness. When I heard the words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You see, God found a praying man and he takes him down into the waters of baptism of anguish. This man goes down into anguish. And in verse 6, I prayed before thee now day and night, confessing the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father have sinned. Now folks, look at me. Nehemiah was not a preacher. He was a career man. He was a king's cupbearer. He was in comfort. He was in royalty. He had made, so to speak. This was a praying man. God found a man who would not just have a flash of emotion, but just some great sudden burst of concern and then let it die. He said, no, I broke down and I wept and I mourned and I fasted and then I began to pray night and day. When I heard, I wept. Why didn't his brother, Nemeni, why didn't these other men apparently were godly men because later Nehemiah was given the rule of the city. Why didn't they have an answer? Why didn't God use them in restoration? Why didn't they have a word? Because there was no sign of anguish. No weeping. Not a word of prayer. 
It's all ruined. It's all they can see. Does it matter to you today? Does it matter to you at all that God's spiritual Jerusalem, the church, is now married to the world? There's such a coldness sweeping the land. So many people I know that were my friends and I see them go one by one, husbands and wives into such passivity, going to churches where they can find smooth messages, no longer wanting to hear anything of wrath or of correction. Some of my closest friends, I see them falling by the wayside and he and cries, is it nothing to you? Closer than that, does it matter about the Jerusalem that's in our own hearts? The sign of ruin that's slowly draining spiritual power and passion, blind to lukewarmness, blind to the mixture that's creeping in. You see, when spiritual blindness comes, very few recognize it. It's the last recognized thing that happens to a child of God. If I, as a pastor, knew you personally, and I was watching your life, and it's one of the pastors of this church, I come to you and say, I, I, I love you, but I have to tell you the truth. You're changing. You know what you were. Something in the world has gotten your heart. I don't know if it's television. I don't know what it is that has your heart, but I see changes in you. I, I don't see the brokenness. I don't see the compassion you had once for your family. I don't see concern for your unsaved loved ones. You're changing. Little by little, something's happening to you. Would it bring you to your knees when... The ruin that you are not even aware of is suddenly brought before your eyes. And to tell you the truth, I thank God for the anointing and the singing tonight. I thank God for the praises that came from so many sanctified hearts living in covenant with the Lord. But the truth of the matter is, in all honesty, there are numbers among us that are changing. And they don't know it. You've lost your fight. You see, when you, when you read the book of Joshua, it's almost a book of failure because they lost their heart. They lost the fight. That's all the devil wants to do is get the fight out of you and kill it. So you won't labor in prayer anymore. You won't weep before God anymore. You can sit and watch television and your family go to hell. Hmm. Let me ask you, has what I just said convicted you at all? Did you just let them go in one ear out the other? When a pastor tells you right now, hey, 
And I don't know who you are, but the Holy Ghost is speaking to me. You're changing. Little by little, you're losing the love of God, the love of Christ. Little by little, these things are making inroads. Folks, why do you think your pastors cry out against television? Do you think we get any pleasure out of the flesh? There's no pleasure in somebody coming and saying, I heard your message and I threw away my television. That doesn't give me any pleasure. It doesn't give any pastor pleasure. We have given it care because we're watching your soul. These things, I don't know where it is on the job, things we listen to, these things that creep in and suddenly this Jerusalem, the walls go down. Ruin sets in. Does it really matter to you that your unsaved loved ones are dying and we're getting closer and closer to the end? Does it really concern you? They could die and go to hell. Even though you're in love with Christ. Where's the anguish? Where are the tears? Where's the mourning? Where's the fasting? And many of you fast, many of you pray, broken before the Lord. We're talking about the body of Jesus Christ in general. Where's the getting up in the middle of the night? You see, he said, night and day I began to pray. Where's the confessing of your sins and of your children? Confessing your children's sins before the Lord or your mate's sin before God because this is exactly what Nehemiah does. He confesses his sins and the sins of all the people. And then he says, we have sinned. I have sinned. And then he said, we have sinned. See, when Nehemiah heard of the ruin and destruction, he never asked why. Why can a holy, just God allow his city to go to ruin? Why were so many dispersed? Why were so many killed and murdered? He didn't ask the question that we're asking in America today. Why did God allow the towers to fall and over 2,000 people died in the, in the uh, affair, in the crash? How could a loving God... And, Folks, just like I share what Pastor Carter said today, the holy anger that arises in my heart when I hear preachers on television or, or on radio or hear that they've said on television, oh, God had nothing to do with it. God had nothing to do with it. Don't put it on God. Why don't you go to Daniel 9? And I want to once and for all tell you that this was... God allowing America to be wakened. God didn't do it. He didn't stop the plans of the enemy because he had a greater purpose. Because it was love for America that was about to slip into everlasting hell. I, I'm going to lower my voice so you won't think I'm angry. Chapter 
verse 5, beginning to read, we have sinned and have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Could you say that about America? And we have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened to the servants, the prophets, which spake in the name in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and all the people of the land. In other words, the government has been warned by righteous men. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, and unto us confusion of faces as at this day. Men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all Israel that are near, that are far off, through all the countries where thou hast driven the cause of their trespass, they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Why? Because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belongeth mercy's forgiveness, though we've rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which is set before us by his servants, the prophets. They all Israel have transgressed the law even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of the Moses, the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him, and he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For upon the whole, for under the whole heaven hath not been done, has been, has been done upon Jerusalem. Verse 14, therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we, what, obey not his voice. Now let me get back to the, my message. There's a great difference between anguish and concern. God's been dealing with me about this. Concern is something that you that begins to interest you. You take an interest in a project or a cause or a concern or a need, something that gets a hold of your attention, and usually it comes to some emotional stimulus. You know, you, you can hear, uh, like, like we heard last Sunday from South Africa and all of the hundreds of thousands dying with AIDS and the children, and you can hear what we heard from Sister Hulda Bontaine this afternoon of, of the thousands upon thousands of children dying in Calcutta and India. You can get all stirred up about it, and you can get emotional, and you get very concerned, but folks, there's a difference between concern and anguish. Because you see, you can tie yourself to a cause, you can get excited about it, or some project, you can talk it up, you go public with it, you can advertise it, you can support it, organize it, put a lot of effort into it. I'm going to tell you something I've learned over all my years, 50 years of preaching. If it is not born in anguish, if it has not been born by the Holy Spirit, where when you saw and heard of the ruin that drove you to your knees, took you down into a baptism of anguish where you began to pray and seek God. Folks, this church was born in anguish. 
months of anguish, tears, a little country town in Pennsylvania, where a pastor of a small church cried out, Oh God, I'm dying, I'm empty, and there's more to it than this, and if this is all the Holy Ghost is, I don't want it. In such a desperation, weeks and weeks of calling on the name of the Lord, confessing my own deadness and dryness, then finally coming for street rallies here in the city and walking the streets and then wind up on 42nd Street and see them selling a kind of heroin would kill you, so I've got the good stuff that'll kill you. And I remember breaking down, and it didn't matter the cars going by. I sat on a fire hydrant tape on the side of a building and wept. And I was in anguish. I was in anguish four blocks from here on Broadway, weeping and crying and wailing. I wasn't looking for a ministry. I wasn't looking to build a church. I was feeling God's pain for a lost city. The same agony I felt years before when he started Team Challenge. And I've never had anything that's been any work to God in my 50 years that wasn't born in agony. Never. Never. It's all been flush otherwise. <laughs> flesh. And folks, I've been around the world again and listening to the cry of pastors. Dead and empty. Some treating their wives like animals. And here I haven't prayed in months. I haven't prayed in six months. And I know that sermons won't do it. I know that a new revelation won't do it. Covenant won't do it. I know now. Oh my God, do I know it. Until I'm in agony. Until I have been anguished over it. I'm preaching sermons. Oh God, I'm preaching sermons. So, you know, you guys can listen to the um, rest of this. It's called The Call to Anguish by David Wilkerson. And it's one of the sermons that I've heard in my life really early even in ministry and seeking the Lord that, for whatever reason, I just keep going back to it. You know, it's just one of those things where, like reading the Psalms of David, you recognize David loved the Lord. You know, you can't fake those words, even with the best poetry that you can possibly think of in your own mind. You can't write a psalm like David if your heart is not that engaged for the Lord. Those words were inspired of the Holy Ghost. And, you know, it's just, I would encourage anyone, I don't know what everybody's plan is for this summer, but try and ask the Lord to bring you into places of the deprived and people that don't have. You need a broken heart. That's, that's the problem. We're not faced with enough reality to understand the rest of the world because the devil has convinced us all you've got to do is live in your own bubble. But there were many days out there, you know, we were ministering 
And then you find yourself like going off to a corner like, Lord, please, you know, do something about the situation because you recognize whatever is going on, you don't have it. You know, even though, you know, a lot of us were baptized in the Holy Ghost and we know the Lord personally, but we know it's going to take an anointing, man. It's going to take something more than what we can have in us. It's going to take Jesus Christ in 2018 to get the job done. But who's going to make themselves available to Christ? that he can fill us, that we can forsake self, that God's will can be done. There's nothing worse than people sticking their hand out for money and you don't gave out the last bit you have, you don't have any more. There's nothing worse than knowing people need clean socks and shoes and they're going to probably have to go for a few weeks before they can get more or where they can eat and what they can do, man. It's, it's just so sad to hear the stories out there, you know? I'm partially responsible, too, for not being out there in a few weeks. It's been a few weeks since Sarah and I have been out there because I've been engaged in so many other things I'm trying to take care of. But the truth of the matter is my heart's becoming faint. And I can openly admit that because when you get out there, you're always glad you are. Even when you feel bad about what they say to you, you still, you know, you're glad that you're there to try and do what you can do. But when you're not out there, and we can make any excuse in the book, I don't feel well. Sarah knew half the time there was something wrong with my heart out there. Because there were days she called me, hey, are we ready to go? Yeah, I just had a rough day at work, you know, and everything. Oh, you had a rough day at work. But I'm sure when you get home, you're not going to go to bed. Okay, you're not going to go and lay down and get your senses back together. You're going to find something that you want to do aside from what God says. And then go out and get on the phone and counsel people about their lives, knowing that I can touch the lives of people right here with Christ. And we keep talking about missionary and going here and there. What about the people in our neighborhoods? This is kind of like, you know, what, what's really going on with us is we got to really get our hearts right. Because we, we just think that serving the Lord and everything is supposed to feel good. But there's, this book is loaded with people that didn't feel good doing what they were doing because they were used of the Lord. Man, we need Holy Ghost filled. We need Holy Ghost powered. We need Holy Ghost driven folks to get the job done. Because this thing, as far as just trying to be, you know, a good person to everybody and, you know, doing your little duty in church and everything and in Bible study, that's not doing it. Do you really have a feel for the people in the world? Do you really care? If someone goes to hell, we have shaken the hands of people that have gone to hell that night and they might have just given their lives to Christ before they lost it because each day is not promised to us. Man, just call for a heart of the Lord. Call for your hearing heart. Call for the love of Christ to come upon you. But it ain't going to feel like we think it's going to feel. I guarantee you that because some people think when the Lord answered your prayers, everything felt good. It's not always the case. You know, God wants us to feel what he feels so that we can have as deep an anguish to get the job done. It's really sad, man. I mean, I, I've seen myself go to the store many times, not say anything to anybody, not because I was afraid, but I got to get back at home because it is 1130 and I got work in the morning. What does that have to do with a soul damned to hell for eternity? What does that have to do with facing your creator knowing that he said to preach the gospel to every creature? He that believeth not shall be, I mean, he that believeth shall be saved. He that believeth not will be damned. 
We're not, we're not responsible for the result, but we are responsible to preach the gospel. That's what this is about. Let's go to Jeremiah 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. Man, the devil is good. He's good at what he does. You know, and Jesus even called him the prince of this world. He's no fool. The Lord know who he made. This guy can make you feel good and make you believe that you are serving the Lord when you're 10 to 50 to 100 miles away from it. Yeah, bro, sorry. You want to say something? I was saying, uh, speaking to someone that clearly didn't enjoy just following every single thing that the Lord is telling them to do, like just going to this book right here. Mm -hmm. But just like Jeremiah was obviously someone that no matter what came at him, you know, no matter what kind of persecution, like he kept on speaking God's truths, you know, because he knows we don't need to be afraid of like what the world thinks, you know, we just really need to have fear for God. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, it's just kind of very inspirational and like such a blessing just looking at this guy's journey, mm -hmm. how he, no matter what, like everyone, no one wanted to believe, like they were seriously seeing signs from God over and over again. Mm -hmm. and they would still just choose to follow their own heart. That's like such a scary thing, just where our heart can lead us, you know, like if we, if we follow that, if we're not following that discernment of the spirit, you know, we could have sign after sign that God is sending us and if we're not led by the spirit, then it's going to lead us astray. Absolutely. John the Baptist's voice crying in the wilderness. I mean, you know, how many times did the Lord tell his people cry out, mm -hmm. you know, let the people know. And it's not an act. It's really not an act. It's something that God allows you to feel. When it, remember, Isaiah was shown from chapter from uh, chapter one to chapter five, everything that was going on in society, shortage of men, homosexuality growing, that there would be seven women that would take a hold of one man in the future because there'll be a shortage of, of things that were going on. And he talked about the heart faint, the head sick. So then Jeremiah sees Jesus Christ. He sees the Lord of hosts high and lifted up. And he said when he was in the presence of the Lord, he just became undone. Like, my God, how filthy am I? How unworthy am I in comparison to you? And what did he say? I'll go. I mean, because the Lord said, who was going to come and speak for me? And, and, and Isaiah said, you know, well, I'm a man of unclean lips. I walk against the unclean. But he said, I'll go. So what did the angel do? Put a hot coal to his mouth, purge his sin, and got him out there. But most prophets of the Bible, they never wanted the assignment that God gave them. You would have had to have been crazy to be a prophet. The Lord would come, hey, I'm, chosen, I'm choosing you, and this is what's going on. Now, they had a right to go and do what God says or to do what they wanted to to their own peril. But one thing God made them all understand is what this world truly is. That's what we're missing in so many ways. We're still looking for the good in this world. Now, the good that we're talking about that Christ gives us comes from the spirit. It comes from Christ. It comes from the will to laugh, the will to cry, the will to have peace, the will to have joy. Okay, those things come from God. But aside from God, there is no life. These, these things just tickle your senses and make you feel good about what you're doing. We can feel so good about careers and jobs when really, you know, those job is a curse. That's, that's Adam's curse. That ain't got nothing to do with what God wants us to have. That was the result of not following and staying connected to the tree of life. 
But all I'm saying is I know we got things to do, and I know that we got to go out there, make some money, provide, do what we need to do. But let's understand this world is in wickedness. One day it will be cut from you. And what you're going to have to know is the true and living God. Yeah. We yeah, just... That's, that's a, um, a good point that you said that, um, that every, all, the, all the things that Christ is uh, putting in us to, to, feed, to feed us with the Holy Spirit, like joy, um, long-suffering, peace, uh, love, and like the fruits of the Spirit, um, that satisfies us. Like just, just a little bit of it. Um, he says, my, my grace is sufficient. So, um, in comparison to what people try to go to, like buying a car to try to make them satisfied or buying um, a particular thing to make them feel good, they constantly, that doesn't satisfy them. Mm -hmm. So, they constantly try to find something mm -hmm. else and something else mm -hmm. and something else. But Christ's joy is really enough. Christ's peace is really filling. Like, Amen. we don't have to keep looking for something else to try to fill us up. That's right. Yeah. You want to say something? Just to yeah. piggyback that, it's like that, it's that appetite craving and so they feed on things of the world mm -hmm. when you feed on Jesus and his word then you're really fulfilled and satisfied your very appetite for the world witnesses against us mm -hmm. because when we get something new we love it but you give it a few weeks and your heart ain't for that anymore mm -hmm. that tells you that nothing here is temporal. real mm -hmm. it's only temporal mm -hmm. and I'm not saying this is an overnight process all I'm saying is we got to understand what the tree of life was all about and what we disconnected from, and how we're trying to find our way back to the living God. How do you deal with that when you have anguish and <clears throat> you have a conviction, but you can't find one of the person that has the same conviction as you? How do you, how do you continue with that without just being a loner and you know just seeing the Lord on your own? I think that once Christ is formed in you, I would say seek the face of God for even more. He's going to put you with people that are going your way. I think sometimes for us, it's hard for us to recognize everybody's not going with us. Mm -hmm. And I think that we got to know when our ride, when, when our journey has ended in one place and to go to another. If I'm trying to go to New York, I'm not going to take a bus to Baltimore, okay? I'm going to recognize I need to go to New York. If someone else is going another way, like another journey, the thing is, hey, man, that's as far as you want to go. I know where I need to go concerning Christ. And that's why we love the Lord more than anything. That separates us from desiring to be accepted of others. Because, you know, when he tells us we've been accepted in the beloved, we've been made whole. So we're not looking for outward validation of who will and who won't. God will put you with those, I believe, that will. But if you shouldn't, it doesn't matter. You are made whole in Christ. As he walked, he chose people that would come. And I believe if we're believers, we're going to have disciples. You know what I mean? People are going to seek Christ. The life is going to spread forth to others who get the message. Everyone isn't going to want, to want this, but you will find some that will. So I think as we continue to go and endure with Christ to answer the question, let the Lord make us whole. Because when he makes you whole, you don't seek outward validation. You you go, I mean, um, you give outflow. It's not inflow. You're not looking to be sustained by the world anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's what it truly means to be in the promise. Remember, they had to eat all this stuff, that manna, before going into the land. Because this stuff don't go in there. Whatever the, the, um, the Spirit provides, I mean, whatever the, the Spirit has to offer is what it will provide. But in the flesh, in the soul, man, those things are inflow. Because you're still looking, you know, to be validated of this one or that one. You're still looking for acceptance. 
But once you get to the promise, God flows through you. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So God becomes your pipeline. And I think the way to deal with it is die out to self, increase in Christ, and go forward with what he tells you to do. He'll put you on the path of those who believe too. Because remember what he told Elijah. Elijah said, I'm here alone. The Lord said, I have given you, I mean, I have 7,000 men that have not bowed the knee to bail. So we're not alone. There's, there's groups like this all over, people that are way stronger in the faith than we are, that are just waiting for the Lord to say when. We're not going to be alone in this. You know, but even if we have to, guess what? You're not alone. Jesus said, though I may be alone, I am not alone because the Father is with me. And that's what we got to recognize. If we be a son or daughter of, of God, then God is with you no matter what. And now those are the lively stones that go out and do what he said. They always met at their headquarters. The disciples and all, they would always somehow go back to Jerusalem and meet up and talk. But when they left, hey, what was Peter doing is Peter's business. What this one's doing is that one's business. But they all walked with Christ. So you know when we died out to this world and Christ takes us over because you're not looking for validation. People are going to walk out of your life. But you know what? You got no control over that. You got to do what the Lord tells you to do. Yeah. And see, I believe, again, we don't. The Lord chooses and finds them for you. I met every single person in here, not because I went looking for you guys. It's because the Lord brought us together because we have a like precious faith. That's that's how it came. I didn't know Christina. I didn't know James. I didn't know Carla. I knew none of you just by coming up and meeting you. The Lord had something to do with it. He'll pick better friends for us than we can pick for ourselves. You know, I met you through Sarah. You know, I met Sarah on the job. Sarah was my enemy. But the Lord knew that if the two of us got together as friends, that there would be power. You know, the Lord would bring it together. It happens when you don't expect it. Absolutely. All right. No, no, you're right. All right. Jeremiah 9. Jeremiah 9. Let's start at verse 1. And it says, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wafering men, of wafering men, that I might leave my people and go from them, for they be all adulterers in assembly of treacherous men. So he recognized these same people he grew up with that he knew, he had to be separated from. And God took care of that all on his own because he means to use them. And they bend their tongues like a bow for lies, but they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. For they proceed for they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. The Lord is making clear there's a different kind of person in here. You know, Jeremiah is weeping for the Lord, weeping for people, continuous crying. Because the Lord has given him that feeling of what he's going through. And I tell you, the deeper you get in ministry. Once those tears start to fall, ain't no stopping them. You're going to live the rest of your life that way. Why? Because you have touched God. His heart. Verse 4. Take ye heed every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother. 
For every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanders. And they will deceive every one his neighbor, and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies, and weary themselves to commit iniquity. So this is what it seems like. The more we minister, the more we go after people, it just seems like people get worse. You know, like not only are, not only are they willing to not listen to you and keep going forward with what they're doing, but it's almost like they dare you to say more so they can do more. Yeah. So this is like one of those situations like, is there anything that I can do, Lord, to make things happen? The answer to that is no, except present your body as a living sacrifice that Christ can do what he did 2,000 years ago. But look at all that's around him. Look at verse 6. Thine habitation is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me, saith the Lord. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will melt them and try them, for how shall I do for the daughter of my people? Their tongue is as an arrow shot out. It speaketh deceit. Every, uh, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, one speaketh um, peacefully to his neighbor with his mouth, but in heart he layeth in wait. He layeth his way. So you see, everybody can, like I said, with all of us, we can all speak certain things. And, you know, I ain't got to, come on, man. You know, if we can all be real with ourselves, there are places in our lives where we do things half-heartedly. Sometimes we do things for our own validation, okay? And these are the areas that God wants to work with us that we can do things for him. Because when some people say, what if they do this to me? It doesn't matter. Your life is hid in Christ, just like he said. That's so, like, that's so liberating mm -hmm. to just know that. that mm -hmm. We don't have to look to these people, you know? And, of course, like, every man, like, in his ways, his heart is doing the right thing, right? So, um, I don't know, just thinking about how liberating that is to, to know that the pressure isn't, isn't coming from men, you know, but mm -hmm. us being able to mm -hmm. release and just let God do his thing, you know. So, I would like to me up. Right? But, uh, that connects with um, what he said, I am the heart and finisher of the faith, too. See, and there is, like Carlin said, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. To not care what people think. We all know what it's like the first day of school to go to school with the wrong clothes on or to care what people think about how we look. Oh, he's got the new Jordan. You know how binding that is? How that just binds you to caring what people think? God is trying to free you to the point where if someone says, man, look at his shoes, and you're like, do you know Jesus Christ? Because the last thing you care about is yourself. Exactly. He sets you free. Kind of like what you were saying earlier too, with like work and stuff like that. Like our managers and people that are superiors, um, they're above us and they evaluate us and we care what they think. Yep. So because of this, the way the system is about evaluation and how they have these things set up, and we're constantly thinking about that, you know. But if we're really truly just doing our work mm -hmm. by letting God do this thing through us, our author and finisher who wrote the works, anyways. If in our faith we're literally just doing these things because God is the one that we're trying to please, it doesn't matter what those it people doesn't think matter. because all they see is the work of God. You know? Exactly. But if you care what your boss thinks and you don't care what Jesus thinks, guess who your God is? Let's be real about that because we're supposed to care what Jesus Christ thinks. But if we care what our boss thinks, 
and we give Jesus whatever we think is okay for him, then we're Cain and not Abel. Abel gave the Lord his best, the first fruits, everything that he needed. Cain gave the Lord what he thought this should be reasonable for you. Mm -hmm. So who really loved the Lord in the end? If you I'm serve telling two you. masters, then you'll turn on another one. Amen. And whoever you yield to is your God. I don't care if you say Jesus all day and all night. Whoever you yield to is your God, and that includes your own belly when he's calling you to fast, when he's calling you to go and do things for him. Whatever your appetite is for that leads you, that is your God. That's the bottom line. Like I said, I like he said, I speak from experience. Okay, so I know when God is not my God, and then I know when I'm giving him what he needs. And that's a good safety valve to put in there so we know. What does the Bible say? Examine yourself. See if you be in the faith. Because you can slowly walk right out of this thing and still think that you're heading north. All right, so anyway, he says in verse 9, Shall I not visit them for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? For the mountains will I take up a weeping and wailing, and for, a ha and for the habitations of the wilderness a lamentation, because they are burned up, so that none can pass through them. Neither can men hear the voice of the cattle, both the fowl of heavens and the beasts are fled, they are gone. And I will make Jerusalem heaps and a den of dragons, and I will make the cities of Judah desolate without an inhabitant. This is coming to an America near you. I'm telling you guys that the biggest thing that we better recognize in this is that the devil runs this too. I, I wanted to send you guys something tonight because I know what they're trying to paint to us about Bible studies going on in the White House. First of all, if the media is, is, is showing you it, you know it's not true. Okay, because why would the media want more people turn to Jesus? Um, what's his name already said? What's his name? Uh, David Rockefeller, big Illuminati guy, one of the most powerful families. He said, we are thankful for the 40 years that the media played ball with us, that they kept their secrets, because if they did not, he says that we would have never been as far along with our new agenda as we are. Okay, so they control those things too. But what I wanted to show you guys, I probably can here, was the Illuminati pyramid. Okay, so even if Trump is being talked to, guess what? Trump's not his own boss. Okay, when, when Paul says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places, the thing that we can do as Christians is learn how to pray. Learn how to come against the devil. 3,000 babies a day being aborted in this country and nobody's saying anything? God's got to judge this. No one's speaking up against homosexuality and you see it taking everybody over? How does God overlook that just for a few deeds done by a few Christians? We've got to go against that which is unrighteous so that God can put his stamp there and walk with you. Those are the only results we're going to get. There is no political solution to a spiritual problem. Amen. This thing was, is between Jesus and Satan. All right, let me just show this real quick. If anybody wants to add anything, they can. But I think you guys might have seen this a long time ago in an earlier teaching. But, I mean, these people look at us like we're nothing but slaves. Uh, I'll pick this one. 
it's hard to read it here, but if you guys can actually go over it, I think I'm going to pick another one that looks a little better than this. It's this one right here, but let's see. All right, now if you're able to look through this when you do, you're going to find at the bottom are the workers. And another one that I was going to look at, they were called debt slaves. On the second level, you've got you've got Christianity, you've got Islam, you've got um, uh, Judaism, and you've got Hinduism there. And this is a part of the, uh, it's what is it? The world population control. Okay, now I'm not saying that Christianity is controlled by the enemy. It is in some ways. But the thing we got to recognize is God calls for us to be Christians like Christ, not Christianity. Christianity is a religion. Okay, Christians are followers of Christ. All right, and that's what we got to look at. And this is why a lot of people think. All you got to do is go to church, and that's it. That's that's churchianity or whatever they want to call it. But anyway, alongside with that, you got government, you have um, the intelligence community, you got the military, police, you have courts. So don't think you're going to get a fair trial, and you've got prisons. Then you got Disney, Viacom, you know, uh, GE, General Electric, you got schools, you got all this stuff here. But the other one was in detail. Above that are the world banks. Okay, so if you look at all the corporations they have here, New York Stock Exchange and all this stuff, it's above the government. Okay, so the government doesn't do anything. This is all controlled by money. The, the love of money is what? The root of all evil. All right, so you got the global bankers here. You have the think tanks, the people that actually dictate what they want you to think about. These people actually believe that they are gods. And in many ways, if you compare the way we obey them, in many ways they are. They can control the way you think. They know what to say to you to get you to think that you're serving Christ. Okay? And then you've got the Committee of 300. That's like some of the most powerful subfamilies. And the next level is the 13 most powerful families. That's where you get Rothschild, Rockefeller, Queen of England, Merovingians, all of them. And then you've got the World Monarch, which is like the Queen of England, and then you've got that one eye on there, which is the eye of Horus, which is Satan and the fallen angels. Okay, so what we do down with the government ain't touching nothing up here. That's something we got to recognize. Who is Trump? Trump is just another person needing Jesus Christ. Okay, Henry Groover went in there to minister to, which president was that? I think it was the younger Bush, the son, and his wife or whatever. And he said... The wife took prayer or whatever like that. But as you can see, they're still on with their agenda. Okay, because this thing is about Satan. It is not about anything else. God knows that this is a sinking ship. What he wants is his people off of this. Who wants that? He says, I pray not for the world, but I pray that you take them out of the world. Well, he says you put them in the world, but separate them from the world. So God is only here that we may find as many souls as we can to be one to Jesus that we can get off this sinking ship. That's all this is. This is this is what we're really dealing with. I mean, you guys can pass it around if you want, you know, whatever, and take a look at this. But, you know, it's pretty crazy, you know, if anybody wants to look at it. But it's pretty crazy what they're trying to do here, you know, and we've got to know our authority in Christ. There's also some good videos uh, just debunking all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he 
see bugs that have, uh, they have those like a uh, it's called the Billenberg group mm -hmm. when they have a meeting you'll like go and protest out in mm -hmm. front and you'll shout at them but see here's the thing about Jones mm -hmm. his last name and this is not coming from a racist standpoint okay but it's Jones Stein okay so they know that he's in on the on the thing mm -hmm. this man hasn't been killed yet this man is he's been arrested and let out he can say whatever it is that he wants to say, but he's involved with the agenda. Yeah, I don't do much. No, no, I hear you. He'll yeah. bring forth a lot of truth and stuff like that. But these guys, they, you know, John Todd said years ago, he said, no one would ever believe that the Illuminati would fund a group to tell the truth about the Illuminati. He said no one would even believe that. Like you would think, why would they even fund that to tell you about what was going on? Because the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, the devil, if he can get your mind off of Jesus, he's done his job. It doesn't even matter. And that's why a lot of people, people like Alex Jones are like what you would call Barabbas. Mm -hmm. Barabbas was an agitator. Remember, he was against the, the Roman system. He tried to take it by force and through political power. But you see, they chose him over Christ. Right. So what we got to recognize is... It's all about Jesus. I used to listen to Steve Quayle and all those guys. And the more I would listen, man, the more hopelessness would set in for me because I'm sitting here thinking, man, they got this, they got that. So we're learning everything that the enemy can do, but we're not knowing our authority in Christ. And see, any ministry that brings you to the world and not try and elevate your mind above the here and now, that's the spirit of Antichrist. We've got to know that God wants you to be directed to him. Mm -hmm. Hillary, mm -hmm. and me and my wife were just like, oh, what kind of email? So we kind of did research on it, mm -hmm. and there was an email that was leaked where Hillary had literally sent it out and said, uh, I'm going to sacrifice a chicken to this God. Anyone want to join me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, because yeah. Hillary is a, is a um, high-level witch. She's a high-level witch. Mm -hmm. See, th these people are not who we think they are. But let me continue. Lord, forgive me, you know, whatever, getting off into the world and everything. But um, he says in verse 12, who is the wise man that may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord hath spoken that he may declare it for what the land perisheth and is burned up like a wilderness that none passeth through. So the Lord is looking for someone, man, who's going to understand what this world is really about? You know what we need? A fresh perspective. We need to see things for what they are so that we can have the anguish that God wants us to do. As long as we got plan B, we will never serve the Lord. I'm telling you that. You know what else, too, what just passed my mind is that, mm -hmm. that kind of a heart towards uh, Christ and, you know, the caring for Christ, um, mm -hmm. what Christ has for us to do. Um, also, it's like a different kind of anguish. I, I can't put my, um, like, a, describe it, but Jonah is a perfect example because... He went through that anguish of being in the in the wells That's right. for three days and three mm -hmm. nights, and uh, even though he was trying to his own way of trying to hide and run and run from God from what God told him to do, mm -hmm. he he developed a sense of uh, anguish mm -hmm. when he went through what he went through. That's right. And then, and then he wanted to do he ran to do what God wanted. That's right. To do. Because the Lord was letting him know, if you don't serve me or you don't walk how I want you to, then you're just as good as dead in this whale's belly. 
This is what it's like. No lights, probably in there stinking. Don't know where you are. The world's probably tossing and turning, and you don't know north, south, east, and west, and you're just bound up. You know, and I mean, the Lord was just giving him a true vision of hell. This is the hopelessness that you have aside from knowing me, aside from doing what I'm telling you to do. That's a great point. Verse 13, and the Lord said, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, neither walked therein, but have walked after the imagination of their own heart, and after Balaam. Who's Balaam? That's Ashtaroth and, and Nimrod. Okay, that's Semiramis. This is who, okay, guys, and you guys could do this in your own time. This is who we worship for these holidays, and we call it Christ. Okay, this is who that people go into. Okay. But this is who, you know, we go after. And then even when you tell people the truth of some of these things, they'll just say, well, you know, well, we, we're just going to Christianize it. And in many ways, that's walking after the imagination of your own heart. Okay? Verse 15, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, even this people, with wormwood. What is wormwood? Type of bitter herb. Kind of bitter type of greenery. You know, that... That's what he's talking about with wormwood. And give them water of gold to drink. Now, how bitter is that? I will scatter them also among the heathen, whom neither they nor their fathers have known. And I will send a sword after them till I have consumed them. You want to know why the church is down and out and under the feet of the enemy? We don't hearken unto the Lord's voice. 17. Thus saith the Lord, excuse me, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider ye and call for the mourning women, that they may come and sin for cunning women, that they may come and let them make haste and take up a wailing for us that our eyes may run down with tears and our eyelids gush out with waters. You guys ever cried this hard? You guys ever cried this hard to do the will of the Lord? You see the difference? We are too in tune with the world. All right. Verse 17. For a voice of wailing is heard out of Zion. How are we spoiled? We are greatly confounded because we have forsaken the land, because our dwellings have cast us out. Yet hear the word of the Lord, O ye women, and let your ear receive the word of his mouth. And teach your daughters wailing and every one her neighbor lamentation. So Jeremiah is kind of saying what Jesus was saying. Remember when Jesus I believe it's um, Mark 13. I could be wrong, but he said something about, he, no, it was on uh, Matthew 21. He came to tell the people, you know, to show himself as the Messiah. They began to lay down their palms and everything to welcome him. And Jesus said, I mourn for you because he knew what was coming with the destruction in 70 AD with the Romans. He knew what was going to happen to his people because they would not hearken unto his voice. So Jeremiah is telling everybody, you know what, teach your kids how to cry. Teach your grandkids and your great-grandkids because we're headed for some dark times because we won't yield to the Lord. Man, this is anguish. For death has come up into our windows and has entered into our palaces to cut off the children from without and the young men from the streets. Speak thus saith the Lord, uh, even the carcasses of men shall fall as dung upon the open field, and as a handful after the harvest men, and none shall gather them. 
Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth, uh, glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exerciseth, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So we want to know what the heart of God is. What does the Lord delight in? Loving kindness, judgment. Oh, you can't judge. No, if you're the Bible says that the man who is righteous, or the, the spiritual man judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Not because he thinks he's better than anyone. He has a fresh perspective. He's telling you what's wrong out of love. He's not telling you, you know, things to puff himself up. Right, because you've already been judged and you decided to follow the Lord. All right, that's absolutely right. 25, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, and I will punish all them which are uh, circumcised with the uncircumcised. So God wants some separation here because you see, you got some of the circumcised with the uncircumcised. Egypt and Judah and Edom and the children of Ammon and Moab and all that are in the utmost corners that dwell in the wilderness for all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. So like David Wilkerson said, and this is true, the reason why we don't feel it how we need to feel it is because we are married to the harlot. And that's the truth. If your job, if your life was taken away from you here, you would hurt sorely. You know, but you know, if we don't even question how our relationship is going with Jesus. We don't even recognize, man, when is the last time I called? When is the last time Christ and I went out for a date? When is the last time we sat and ate dinner together? These are the things that we've got to worry about. And I'm, I'm trying to bring it around to where we understand. I'm not saying you go out on a date. But the point is, is that when is the last time that we've actually worried about our relationship with the Lord? What do you want from me, Lord? I'm always on my knees asking you for what I want. What do you want from me? And that's the big difference between anguish and concern. Because concern is about, it usually has something to do with you. You may care for another and how you might help. But anguish, man, there's just this hurt that we can have inside of us that only God can heal. You know, only God can restore us to that place of putting it in the right perspective and doing what he says. We need to hurt for people. That's what's lacking within us. Let's move on, because um, I know we spend a lot of time on things. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11, and let's start at verse 17. Trust me, guys, everything I'm saying, I am saying to myself, this was a rough week, man. This was a hurtful week, because I recognize that there's always more we can do. The worst thing that a Christian can do is get comfortable. You know, the worst thing that we can do is become passive because nobody that ever served the Lord in this Bible was. Even when they had their moments, God had to go get them right and get them right back out there. And when Paul always says these terms, run your race with patience, fight the good fight of faith. What is he telling us, man? We're going to have rounds. We're going to deal with a lot of stuff. We're going to take some heavy blows. 
But you can't you can't fight a good fight being a ringside champion, cheering on two other people. What about your time in the ring? When are you going to strike a blow for the glory of Christ? When is he going to be glorified within your mortal body? That's what it's about. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And you know, the thing too is, is that I think why a lot of people get down when you talk about these things is because they're comparing what kind of serving Jesus would be like with the world. But what we got to understand is the world doesn't want you. The world doesn't like you. You ever seen the way a pimp treats a whore? That's, that's pretty much what's being done to you, except he keeps giving you something every now and then. A little something to get your mouth wet. A little something to get you chasing the elusive carrot. But the devil doesn't want you. He wants to pimp you and then show Jesus, look at what I'm doing to your bride. That's really what's going on here. It's got nothing, you know, but he has a way of dressing it up. Because every time we run into the Lord, the Lord wants us to come home. But see, when we come home with him, the Lord will tell us, you know, he'll, he'll sit there and be intimate with us. But then he's always leading us in the ways of righteousness. But you see, the devil will give you, you know, break you off a little cash. Man, go have some fun. You earned it. You worked hard. Do what you need to do. Don't listen to that Jesus, man. You see what he's heading you for. Everybody's going to hate you. But you see, I'm your boy. You know, I'll dress you up in the finest so you can understand what, what I can give you. And you see, that's where we're being tricked. The devil doesn't want you. He's making a fool of you. That's really what it is. Anything that is given to us and we have a relationship with the Lord, and, and you know, we got to understand he's given to us for a purpose. He's supplying us so that we can continue in his work, not to enjoy our own and do what we want. He'll give you time to do the things that you need to do in this life. But he's first got to be your husband. Everything else is second. But man, too many times he's mentioned that his people were laying down, playing with the harlot. He said, you always say you love me, but every time I come looking for you, you're up under some tree with a harlot. He makes it clear that this is how he feels concerning us. So right now we are where we are, and you know, we're working things out in Christ. We're getting in him more that he can give us more. But don't lose the perspective that he's trying to show us. You are in bed with the harlot. You are. Until you fully give your life over to Christ, there's a part of you that is in line with the harlot. And that's a fact. And how do I know this? How do I know what I'm saying is true? Because one day, he's going to collapse the economy. 
Okay, so that meant that it was never for you anyway. And God's going to let him do it. Because he's expecting you, even when it's all taken, to be a faithful bride. I mean, now, if work would just continue, and there was no such thing as far as what this is, then you guys can question and say, you know what, I don't know about that. Because after all, why would God provide jobs? Okay, so why is he taking it away? Why is he going to allow the enemy to do it? How many people have gone to hell believing that their job is what's taking care of them and not Christ? Do what you need to do here. Don't lose your perspective. Don't lose the anguish. Don't lose the heart of the Lord. You have an obligation to him wherever you are. And don't forget that. You know why? Because he's worthy. He's not somebody asking for you to serve him that's never done anything. He's that God that paid the price for every little thing, all your faults that were never his. Second uh, Corinthians 11 and 17. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. So he's not trying to glory, but he's saying, if I needed to, guys, look at my resume. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing yourselves are wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage. If a man devour you, if a man take you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. How be it? Uh, wherein soever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also, bold also. So what is boasting? Foolishness. That's what he's telling you. Are they Hebrew? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. And when they say, are they Hebrew, you guys want to know what the difference between Hebrew and Israelites are. Hebrews are from the seed of Abraham. Abraham's elder or, or a member of his family was named Eber. Okay, out of Abraham come many nations, not just the Israelites. The Bible makes that clear. Okay, so that's where the word Hebrew comes. He's saying, hey, I'm, you can trace me back to the seed of Abraham. He says, am I an Israelite? Like from the tribes of Jacob? So am I. That, that's what he's trying to say. It says, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes, above measure. In prison, more frequent. In deaths, off. So, you know, Paul's been going through it. He's been, they examined his life, and he's been in prison more, you know, ministering than he was free. And he gave himself to Christ. That's some stuff. <laughs> All right, so anyway, verse 24, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. So this man has two hundred lashes on his back, serving the Lord. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, Paul was robbed, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, and watchings often. In hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. So wait a minute, Paul, you mean to say you're not doing this just for your salvation? 
You mean to say nobody was paying you to go through this, Paul? The care of all the churches, some of them he never even met, he wrote to. Can you imagine? Man, this is anguish. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. So Paul says, hey, you want to glory in something? Look at my back. Look at the time that I spent in prison for Christ because I love you and I love him. Now, these words may not seem a lot right now because we're not really living that. But there will come a time when these things are going to be brought to our remembrance because the devil and God are not going to allow us to hide on the fence forever. There's going to come a point where he's going to tell them like Elijah told them. He's going to tell them like Joshua told them. Choose you this day whom you will serve. If Baal be God, follow him. But if God is God, then follow him. You know, that's what we got to understand. And uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor of Aratus, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with the garrison, desirous to apprehend me, and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. So Paul even had to know how to run for his life to preach the gospel. But man, who could have that kind of love? Paul's love is greater than a parent to a child. Because Paul doesn't, these people don't have a biological link to Paul. Paul's loving these people because God loves the church. You understand? So there's a greater love here than just a parent always being there for their kids. A husband always being there for his wife. God is calling for it. And see, when you bring love to this level, I realize, man, you don't hear nobody talking. But if I were to say, everybody, the love of Jesus Christ, and we ain't got to worry about nothing, and oh, man, just love the Lord. Oh, how are you, my brother and sister? Oh, I just love you this day. I just love everybody. And I'm not trying to be funny. The Lord knows I'm not. But when you get on that level, man, everybody, oh, yes, yes. We just got to love one another. But see, when you bring it to how much you love your neighbor and how much you love your God, you hear crickets. Why? Because we know that there's a part of us that is not doing what we need to do. We know there's a part of our hearts that's not right. Man, ain't nothing take blows like the truth. You remember what he said in Psalm 91? Thy word, thy shield is thy truth and buckler. Okay, so that shield is to take the blows. That buckler is that little shield on there to fire back. Ain't nothing hurts like the truth. The truth will knock you back into reality. And that's what we need every now and then. A nice little dose of reality. Why? So we don't fall asleep. That's the love of God. And I'm sorry, bro, if I'm kind of, you know, too hard on this tonight or whatever, because I know, you know, I'm just saying that we just got to really understand Christ. I think I'm only going to go two more places. I know, you know, James always says yes. I do that, I but just say, but guys, remember in Luke 22, 39 through 46, Jesus sweated. So I said two more tonight. But this is Luke 22, 39 through 46. Don't go there. I mean, your spare time. But remember, Jesus sweated great drops of blood. Jesus said, Father, let this cup pass for me, but not my will. Let your will be done. So, you know, there's a fight. There's a, there's a fight to serve the Lord and do what he says. 
Let's go to First Thessalonians chapter two, and let's look that's, at verse one. That's really like, uh, man. I think I remember when I was a kid, and um, I think the scariest things for me that comes to my mind is, is um, dying by suffocation. suffocation. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember, like, thinking about it now. I can imagine. Um, I can't. I can't imagine it. I can't even understand it. But Christ going through that time period of praying. And his flesh fighting against him, and mm-hmm. sweating drops of blood. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like swimming in a pool, and you're suffocating, drowning, mm-hmm. and you're you're thinking you're not thinking to save your own life. Mm-hmm. You're thinking of how you're going to save somebody else's life. Oh, you're thinking how are you going to lift them up, and you got weight on your own feet, pulling you down to the bottom of the, mm-hmm. of the sea, and you're thinking how I'm desiring to lift up my brother. Mm-hmm. That's what it makes me think of think about like you're stuck it's like how do I gasp for breath for my own self mm-hmm. and I'm thinking of my, my neighbor my, it's my true because they call that a condition that you can be under such extreme stress even doctors know this that you can sweat blood the vessels around your head will mm-hmm. burst you know and you're actually sweating blood mm-hmm. I mean that that's from yeah I forgot the name of it I had it written down a while back yeah, it's under, um, from what I was from what I was told it is a real condition. It's like when you're, when, and it usually happens when somebody is knows that they're about to die and that what they're facing, they're, what they're facing, an extreme trauma and extreme like death, suffering, and that's when something in your body explodes, uh, and that's what happened. Can you imagine? Time. I mean, just knowing that you're going to pay the sin for the whole world, and Jesus lived thirty years to know what kind of sin was going on here, so he knew what awaited him. That's something to think about. It's one thing to get punished for what you've done. Mm-hmm. We can't even stand up to that. But imagine being punished for what someone else has done. Man, First Thessalonians chapter 2, let's look at verse 1. And it says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Okay, so when you preach this gospel, don't think that people are going to love you because of it. Okay, you are going to have to shine light in dark places, but you've got to be conscious of Jesus Christ. And that's why the husbandman can't do this job unless he partake of the fruit. What are the fruit? Love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and faith. The Bible says for such there is no law. That comes straight from God. To have love, joy, peace. We ain't talking about no Valentine's Day love. We're talking real love. So he says contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel... Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. So we're not coming as men that are pleasing. We're not going to come as people that are watching after themselves and wanting to be liked. We're coming in contention. We're coming in all we have to that God might be pleased. And what did he say? Trust in the gospel. We were given trust unto this gospel. That we should treat this like a true treasure that everyone can take a part in. We got to stop wiping our feet on what God gave us because he saved you for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Verse 5, 
For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. So they were considered somewhat burdensome. Oh boy, here comes Paul. We're just trying to have a picnic, and now he's just going to come and ask us, do we know the Lord or whatever? You're going to be seen as an evildoer preaching the gospel, but all you're doing is loving and caring for people. We're about to close. So it says in verse 7, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Man, this is love. Why can't somebody come around for me like this? This is what I want. I don't care what I have to hear. Hey, man, if you're trying to help me grow closer to Christ, man, by all means, come on in. Yep. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. That word for travail is anguish. That means great pain. And that's why many times the Bible always tells us, you know, that bringing forth Christ is like a travailing. It's like trying to birth a baby. Now, I'm not a woman, and I never had a child, so I don't know what that pain must feel like. But I know it's painful just to watch, let alone what the woman has gone through. That's right. Um, and imagine how a fruit is when you squeeze squeeze juice out of a fruit. Mm -hmm. um, usually you come out dry sometimes. You think, like, I, I, I ain't got no more. But mm -hmm. the more you keep going through trials, Christ shows how much juice can pour out from that, mm -hmm. from that fruit. Absolutely. So fruit does come out. That's where the you know, fruits come uh, Exactly. Come more fruits of the Spirit come out uh, through trials and tribulation. That's right. You've got to labor. You've got to labor. That's what we're going through right now. That's why we hear hard messages. That's why at times, you know, we get that spark of, you know, rejoicing in the Lord and doing what he says. We're birthing Christ. That's what this is about. We're going through, and God wants you to feel every ounce of it. Because when the, after the baby is born, ain't no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's only joy. Why? Because you see the new life that is before you, just like he wants us to see the new life that he's placed before us. So he says, travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. So hey, he don't want that to his charge. They want to preach. Ye are witnesses and God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also uh, we uh, thank we God without ceasing, because when ye are received or when ye are received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as a word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually effectually worketh also in you that believe. So God wants us to eventually manifest what he calls us to. You know, I might want to go to a couple of places, but 
I'm having a feeling like the Lord is just telling me to shut it down, you know, but in your spare time, read 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 18. That also speaks about the travail that Paul, you know, what he labored with for the people. But, you know, this was not to put anybody down. This is just so that we recognize how good our God is, how sober we need to be concerning this world. Because the Bible says that the devil comes for three reasons, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus tells us to um, be sober, be vigilant, for the devil walketh around as a roaring adversary, seeking whom he may devour. So this is just a wake-up call for us all. We need the heart of Jesus. Let us pray. Let us fast. Let us ask for this anguish so that we can go forward and do what the Lord says. So I just want to say to you guys, I love you. You know, those listening, I pray that they receive Christ. But I do want to ask the question, because the Lord has also put it, put it to my heart. You never preach the gospel without seeing whether or not giving people a chance to come to Christ. So what I want to say right now is, if you know you're not saved, and you know that you want to be, that you want to give your life to the Lord, you know, you may do so at this time because one thing we are learning about salvation, it is sweet. It is our lifeline. It is to keep us away from those things that mean to do us harm. So if anybody right now, if you know you're not saved and you know that you want Jesus Christ, you know, you can come up. We can say a few words. We can pray before the Lord and you can receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But that's up to anybody here that wants to so i'll leave the door open for a couple of for a minute or so and if not you know that's between us and the lord but don't worry about what people think don't worry about what other people might say this is an individual affair between you and christ yeah i'll take that for sure absolutely yeah yeah i don't think i mean god forbid that you know anybody at any time feel like they're Absolutely. You know, I, think, I think everybody has to come to that point of um, crushing. I don't know how, how to explain it, but like vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, open up. Like you, lowliness. Yeah, lowliness. Like lowliness you're not, to serve the Lord. You're not too good to be, um, you're not too good for anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, absolutely. Definitely. My brother Carla, you want to lead him in prayer? Yeah. Thanks, bro. Praise the Lord. Yes, Lord. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you continually enlarge James's heart, Father. 
And I just pray that no matter what's going on, you just give him clarity, Father. You give him vision, Lord Jesus. You just give him the mind of Christ, which he's already been blessed with, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that whatever's going on, Lord Jesus, I just pray that he continues to die to self, Lord Jesus, and make more and more room for you, Father, for you and your spirit. And that way he knows that it does not matter what trial, what temptation comes into his life, Lord Jesus, but he is going against the God that slayed Goliath. Yes, Lord. So, Father, I just pray that you continually just pour your spirit upon him, Lord Jesus. Let Thank him you, know, Lord. Lord Jesus, assure him, give him confirmations, whatever he needs to see. Speak to him in your word, Lord Jesus. Speak to him in the secret place. Yes, Speak Lord. to him in the midst of warfare, Lord Jesus. Let him know that no matter what, you are for him. You are not against him, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father, in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Anybody else before uh, they present? Uh, Sarah and Carlin got something? Or who's going to present? Anybody else? You're going to present too? Okay. So. Uh, can I ask? I want to ask for prayer for more strength physically and spiritually. Absolutely. Brother Sam, you want to pray for Sarah? Oh, man. I was hoping to get prayer. <laughs> I'll pray for you. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, Lord, I pray for that strength that she's asking for, God. I pray for that boldness, God, that you have for her. Thank you, Lord. The next level, Father, that it's just unlocked with her faith, Father, that it's the evidence of things unseen and in substance, all things hoped for. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, I pray with her faith that she gets that strength and she reaches to the top shelf, God. Thank you, Lord. And uh, that she seeks it out, Father, and gets it from you, Lord, uh, for you are the, 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 the author and finisher of our faith, God. And yes, Lord. Our faith is the highest thing in our life, Father. It's even stronger than our strength, Father. So you are the author and finisher of our strength as well, Lord. Yes, Lord. You are the author and finisher of her life, Lord. So it is all in you. It's hidden in you, Lord. Thank you, so Jesus. I pray that you release more of outpouring, Father, of your spirit on her, Lord. And that strength may be, Father, that she may be put through the fire, Lord, and that she has that shield of faith in that just because surrounding uh, I just see her with armor I yes, see that Lord. the area that she's in uh, that she's just to have a nice thick piece of armor on thank you Jesus uh, kind of like you know like, like your spirit the forward. thicker the better kind of like the good the bad the ugly just have that thick armor yes Lord to protect her from just deceit confusion uh, anything to lie to her and try to tell her that she's weak or that she's Confused, or just anything that that comes in and tries to tries to deceive her. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, will be will fall to the ground. Just fiery darts will fall to the ground. This armor, so I pray for that armor, Father. Yes, Lord. Uh, and that uh, again, that shield of faith to be built up around her, God. Thank you, Jesus, uh, for that strength to remain and to be strengthened with her faith. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. We pray Thank you, now. Jesus. Amen. Anybody else need prayer? Or I mean. James, you're going to present, and I guess we can close yeah, out. I'll take from Sarah. Brother Sam, yeah. Sarah, all right. Sarah. Heavenly Father, I come to you this evening in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. And Lord God, I just want to thank you for this day. I just want to thank you for this time. And Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for the body of Christ that you have graciously given to us, Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you for this message tonight, Lord, that it puts each and every one of us in check with you 
that we know what our faith was, it stands with you, Lord Jesus Christ, that we not be offended by these words, but that we have an understanding, Lord God, of the world and the times that we are living in. And Lord Jesus Christ, I'm asking for a special prayer for my brother Sam tonight and his wife Deborah, and the fact that they are teaching these youth today. They need all the strength yes, that they Lord. can get, Lord Jesus Christ, to reach these Thank young people you, with the day that we are living in, with the technology that is at our fingertips, Lord, and all the evil that comes with it. Yes, Lord. So I'm praying, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you give them a double your portion fall, of your Lord. Holy Spirit. Lord God, give them a fresh anointing that they are fall, able to Lord continue Jesus. to go on and do your Holy great Ghost works, Lord. Here, Lord. That these kids, welcome these young presence, people, Lord, Lord God, that the evilness is broken free from them, Lord. The slothfulness and, and everything that comes with it will be broken up in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord Build Jesus. them up, Lord. Build Sam up and make him a strong man of you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, and he will Lord. call out to you continuously and fervently to stay strong in you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. To be a, a yes, fully Lord. developed man of you, Lord God, in everything that he does. Yes. Bless their marriage, Lord Jesus Christ, Thank and everything you, that they ask for in your name, in Jesus' name. In Watch Jesus over them, name. Lord God. Yes, that Lord. these kids, Lord, they will grow, that they will flourish, that they will tell their friends, Lord Jesus Christ, and it will just spread like wildfire. Yes, Lord. Watch over them. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God Almighty. Let that fire that we feel tonight continuously burn within us. Yes, Lord. That this is not just some firework, yes. but it is an explosive fire, Lord Jesus Christ, that will continue to grow, that Set we will ablaze. go out yes, Lord. and to do your will. Thank you, God. In Jesus Christ, your most In holy Jesus name, name. Thank you, Amen. Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. No one else needs prayer. Brother James is going to present. I guess, Brother Carlin, you presenting also? Or? Yeah. That's something okay. And Sarah, Sarah's not going to present, so it'll be James and I'm calling. All right, and then we'll close out in prayer. Sorry for the long message tonight, but, you know. Yeah, they while, while Sarah was praying, I just saw um, what I would believe is potentially your heart, and I saw a pencil come in, and it was the eraser side, and just rubbing something off. So I don't know if there, I heard lie, maybe like a lie inside that someone's, or you have, but it's gone. Yeah. Cool, you were talking to me about it later. That'd be awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, when we were uh, doing the study, um, I know you were saying, uh, you were mentoring Fruits of the Spirit, mm-hmm. and what, past, uh, what Christ was giving me is that, um, just as the scripture says that if, if a man uh, spiritually lived by the Spirit, a man cannot be judged, and when we think how Christ lived, uh, they couldn't think of any accusations against him. They couldn't say, oh, you're gentle, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, you're long-suffering. They couldn't uh, put these things against him. Um, they couldn't say these things, so they had to make up a lie against him, like uh, uh, a blasphemer or something like that. So, um, And what, what is coming on my heart is uh, to, to say um, is as we were going through the study, um, a lot of people... Uh, they get so comfortable that they, they expect certain things to come a certain way. Um, and I, I guess I'll use this as like a, as a metaphor. Like, a, like um, some people like say, like, I want, they say, I'm waiting for my boat. Um, and then a raft might come and that might be their boat. Um, and then they mess up on that raft because they expect a yacht or they expect a big cruise ship with lights, you know, Christmas tree lights or something like that. 
and they miss out on that raft, you know, that um, has the Band-Aid on it, and they're like, oh, man, God didn't send me that. God will send me something way perfect that got a robe on it that God's just decked out, and, you know, it's really nice looking, and uh, uh, some people have that mindset, and they miss out on the blessings of what God gave. And, um, you know, other examples, you know, you might have um, a, a black person walk down the street and uh, might speak, to, and somebody might be expecting the word of God, right? Somebody might be praying like, God, please uh, send me somebody that will give me the message. Give me you, please. You know, it doesn't matter. Give it. And a, a black person, a Mexican person, Arabian might come down the street and say, uh, Christ loves you. Um, he wanted me to give you a scripture. And he, uh, a scripture comes out and they're like, no. I know this is not from God. I just know it. Like I know this is not it. And then they miss up on that blessing, you know. And so it, it came to in my heart to talk about this because with that in that very moment that um, people miss people um, uh, reject and they push away what God comes to you for, um, and people don't expect it to come that way. But that is exactly where God is coming from. He came lowly and he came humble. He, he came in this world poor and people didn't expect it. People did not expect it. People probably expected Christ to be so, um, I don't know, like uh, rich. Yeah, I got all this gold decked out and he, he didn't come that way. So a lot of people um, um, didn't believe in him. They left him, left his side and they rejected Christ for that reason. So with that being said, what came to me was um, Christ comes as a thief in the night. All those, all those times that Christ come to us is unexpectedly. It's just as a thief in the night. Mm -hmm. um, somebody might say, um, I got to watch out because the news paints a criminal to be a black man in a hooded figure um, or whatever. But So when they walk down the street, they're like, oh, I got to hide my purse or I got to put my things away because there's a black guy over there and there's a, a Mexican. I got to watch out. But they don't realize down the line that man that they married um, is going to kill them, is going to abuse them, and they don't expect it. But this is the mindset of human beings, a mindset of people. So that's just to correlate and to say that um, Christ comes as a thief in the night. And let's go to um, Second Thessalonians. Or actually, no, First First Thessalonians five. First Thessalonians um, chapter five, and we'll start at verse one. And it says, um, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So, um, for, for when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. So Christ is saying that um, his people, his children, we, we don't live in darkness. We are children of the light. So he won't leave us uh, out, um, out of what's coming. He told us, and we have the word, and he comes us, come to us in the spirit to let us know that the, the times that are coming upon this world, it's coming. But his children know, so we don't live in the world. So that that is the... Um, that is how can I say this? Um, that is a, a, sim, a metaphor in saying like the light shines upon, like you know how like you can walk in a room and there's dirt spots, and um, the light shines upon the places that you dirt. You don't know what to clean if the light doesn't shine on it. But Christ is telling you, um, 
Christ is that light to let us know that we don't live in darkness. And in him, if he is the father of lights, we are a reflection. We walk as he walks to be a reflection of him. So um, the next uh, chapter is to go to Revelations chapter 16. And we're going to start at uh, verse 15. Chapter 16, verse 15. And it says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So, um, in this passage it says, Blessed he come as a thief. And it also says, Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. So that means you constantly have to continue walking in Christ. This is not like, a, um, as people say, once saved, always saved. No, that's not the case. Um, you can relate this to exercising. If you mess up or slip up on exercising, you know what's going to happen. Um, it's going to be harder once you start. You know, or when you're dieting and trying to eat really well and, mm -hmm. and healthy, you know what's going to happen if you um, slip up on that. Mm -hmm. So in connecting that with what Christ is saying... Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So. Amen. Honestly, like Christ, Jesus. Uh, honestly, to add on to just that last part, um, that was just making me think how this like thing, this anguish thing, um, when we're really operating out of the spirit of love, like we're not, um, we're not doing things and expecting to receive back. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think about how sometimes we have so much more patience for like strangers, people that we've never met in our entire lives. Right. And then we just like, this is Jesus flowing out of me, you know? And then we're so kind to these people and like, you know, invite them in and give them like what we have. But certain times, like people that are the closest to us, we cut them short. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it's not something that we we do consciously thinking like, well, you know, it's kind of more just like this dude loves me. He already knows me like he has patience for me. He's going to love me regardless of how I act because he's known me from then on, you know. Mm -hmm. But realistically, it's us like doing these things and just thinking like just think about having that extra patience for the people that have known you and like have loved you for so long mm -hmm. and you doing those actions not in the fact that okay um i do this because I'm, they're gonna love me they're gonna give me something in return but you're just doing that you know and not for them but literally for jesus because you know you know you know that person's heart you can feel it when you're submitted to christ and just think about the fruits that will yield you know especially if you're trying to win someone to christ that is consistently in your life that relationship is you just always being in a position to be ready to receive them regardless of what you're doing right and then when you're in that position that person can't attack you because they're going through the truth they're going through what the, the heart of God you can't yeah you've got that shield when you're operating out of the spirit of love like they can't come at you so nothing I can do they can't find anything in you amen, amen. alright so first Corinthians 10 and we'll start at 6 
So, but with many of them, oh, sorry. Now, these things were our examples, so the intent, we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people that sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. So I kind of think of that, too. Um, what, what came to mind was just when Jesus was baptized, the dove fell onto him. He went into the wilderness and then Satan was constantly, you know, nagging him. Hey, if you're the son of God, do this. You know, if you're the son of God, do this. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like in a way, sometimes people that are around us could in their own way, you know, maybe not as extreme, but potentially do the same thing. And us as followers of God, we have to understand that, yes, we are friends of God. He loves us. He's our children. He's, we are his children. But at the same time, we have to look at God, not in like, you know, someone that continually serves us, although he does, you know, in love and in truth. But um, we have to be careful being like, okay, God, if you do this for me, I'm going to stay faithful and do this. But really going along with that whole loving strangers more thing, you know, um, how much we love God, we can apply that directly to that too. So continually doing what we're supposed to do for God, not because we're going to receive things from him, but just knowing that us walking in this gives us allowance to those blessings, you know, because they're already ours. We just have to walk inside this thing, Mm -hmm. staying fully submitted to the truth, you know, not expecting, but because anything that we're expecting, I mean, no, no. So we can expect. That's completely fine, but not in an aspect of like, you know, that we aren't, like we deserve it. Ex- exactly, exactly. But it's totally fine to expect. expect God's will. Yeah, and God, yeah, yeah. So, um, the yeah. only thing we can expect from the Lord is to keep his word mm-hmm. because he holds his word above his name, you know. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, I was just we thinking, shouldn't be expecting anything. Yeah, I was just thinking too. It seems like the walk of a, of a, a like a, a Christ like person is that, um, when you go through trials and tribulation and you get like pulled, things get pulled out of you, it's like you don't even want it. And I know the scripture talks about that. It says, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Mm-hmm. He, he is literally, he fulfills my everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even want riches. Like, how can I compare that to Christ? I can't. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Um, riches, um, anything money can buy, it's, it's uncomparable. Like, once you get in that place, and I, I feel it, and I felt it before. Mm-hmm. Once you get in that place, of being with Christ, it's like, I can die right now. It's, it's, I'm satisfied knowing that Christ, I, I know Christ, mm-hmm. and I, and he is in me right now. Mm-hmm. I, I want nothing else but to be by, but, but to be, to have that relationship with Jesus constantly and no relationship with any other thing. Not, not in video games, not shoes, not anything else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, it seems like um, the walk of a Christian is exactly as you said, like we do have those thoughts of I, I might like this. I might want this to have that. And I know that the Lord, um, with that same scripture, it says that Christ, we bring every thought into obedience of Christ. We bring it to him. Like, yes, God, I want this, but can you purify my heart that I, it can be desired in a righteous way? Um, so it, 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 it goes along with what you're saying. Like, um, having those expectations, but it's Christ as our head. He guides us in, in that manner where we don't want after it because our hearts 
the heart is wicked and it can be, you know, deceived. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, also, too, it's just like he knows what we want, what we need, what we desire. But even what he's prepared for us, no man has seen. It's going to transcend what your vision of what it's supposed to be and it is anyways. And who would want anything else than what the creator of all things yeah. gave to us, who provided the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's trying to provide for us. Um, neither let us okay. I believe you're up to. Um, neither murmur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. That's something, too. Um, yeah, we're more than conquerors. Yeah, we go into this thing um, knowing in full faith that God has got us. But even still, um, not, think, not thinking like once you arrive to this level with God in relationship that like I've arrived, you know, that's not the mindset that we have. Because once we get that mindset, we fall stagnant. A piece of our armor falls off. Devil comes in. And boom. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but such is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. So I think about Galatians 10 when I read this. Um, so it's like about bearing each other's burdens together so jesus christ went through every single trial that you could ever imagine you know and the minute we start thinking like this problem is way too hard you know like i i can't handle this no one knows you know no one knows but god does you know and you being open and willing to share that with your brethren gives them a chance to understand something that they might have not ever understood you know what i mean so it's a blessing to be able to submit your conscience, hear people out in a heart that's just wanting to receive, you know, and not expect, receive in the aspect of receiving that person, not receiving, you know, something for listening to that person. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which, ye, which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. Okay, hold on. The cup of blessing which ye bless is not is it not the commun the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. We're all in this thing together, but still understanding that salvation is an individual affair as well, too. So just think, the more you stay on fire, the more everybody else in this body that we share is blessed by that drive to follow Christ. For behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar. What said then that the idol is anything, or that which is offered and sacrificed to idols is anything? But I say that these things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to the devils, and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. So this is a clear separation. We are consecrated. We are separated from this style of living 
So that's also understanding too the things that you allow into your life, understanding understanding where that influence is, you know, like a lot of people live in ignorance, like even just how their food is prepared, not, you know, like, okay, there's no clean things, we have dominion over that, but just understanding other things like maybe your media that you're looking at, maybe like, yeah, media in general, you know, or I don't know, who you look up to for politics or whatever, you know, understanding the influence that they truly rep, and if they truly rep God, that is known. Their fruits are shown. Okay, ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? We do serve a God that is jealously yearning after your attention. But yeah, that's what I that's what it's really all about so you know I want to encourage everybody check on your brothers and sisters from time to time I mean not even from time to time if you don't hear from them you know then then check on them okay because I mean like I said with everybody here I know we don't talk all the time but if I don't hear from you guys in a while you know I'm always Carlin how you doing you alright man um, Christina, what's going on? You know, or whomever, Sarah, you've been quiet today. What's going on? But it's always something where, you know, even James or, you know, whomever, I'll reach out to Sam. Hey, man, how's everything been? Because the thing is here is that we are in this thing together. We got to really know what it is to love the brethren. If your brother's suffering, so are you. You may not know it yet, but your time will come around. So let's love each other. I mean, really love each other. <laughs> sins is out of a place of true genuine love you know like he truly wants to know and the best thing that you can do with getting that question is out of love in your heart be sincere and give a real response back mm-hmm. you know so you guys can bear each other's burdens lift each other up absolutely well, you're right bro christina you want to pray tonight sure. yeah, all right heavenly father i want to thank you for bringing all of us here tonight lord it's not by accidents by divine connection lord i thank you for that lord i pray that you just this message tonight pricks our hearts father that your word gets rooted into our hearts into the soil be on good ground lord jesus and i pray that you send down your waters lord so that it can be fortified, Lord, and with your nutritious word, that we continue to seek you no matter what we do, Lord, that you give us anguish, Lord, in everything we do, that you reignite our passion for serving you in ministry, Father. Everyone here, I know you use us in our own ways, in our own lives, Lord, but I just ask that you expand that, Lord Jesus, sevenfold, Lord Father, that your spirit go upon it, Lord Jesus, and that we go out in a new way, Lord with a new anointing, Father, with a new boldness, Lord Jesus, not a shame, Lord, but with love, with tough love that strikes through any fear, Lord Jesus, that casts out all the fear, Lord Father, because it's not about the conflict or ourselves or our flesh or what we think of other people and what they think of us, Lord Jesus, but it's about you. It's about pleasing you, God, not men, Father. And I just ask that we keep our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. As you're with us every day, you do not leave us, Lord Jesus. I ask that there's fire all around us, Lord, opportunities for us to step in the battle of spiritual warfare with you, Lord Jesus. I just ask that we go in full armed lord jesus with our full armor spiritual armor lord jesus that we stay in prayer father that we stay studying your word and truth lord and 
believing in your promises, Father, and that we go out there, Lord Jesus, in the fire and with the Holy Spirit and trusting you, Lord Jesus, so we can grow with you and so we may save souls, Lord Jesus, not us, but you, glory to you and all you do, Lord Jesus. But I pray that you work on us to be able to make that move, Lord Jesus, so we can be effective servants for you, Jesus Christ, so we can be disciples of Christ, Lord Jesus. That you separate us from this world, Lord. Separate us from the things that we are cleaving on to that are distracting us, Lord Jesus, that are weighing us down. I just ask that you lift those off of our shoulders, Lord Jesus. I pray for your warring angels to come down and rip apart and go against any demonic forces that are keeping us from fully going full force in the spirit, Lord Jesus, from serving you completely, Lord Jesus, no matter what. No matter what it is, Lord Jesus, every day, Lord, I ask that you help us be reflective on our days, Lord Jesus. Yes. Reflect what time have we given you? How have we served you? How can we be better servants? How can we build our relationship with you? How can we get more intimate and close to you, Lord Jesus? Lord, don't let us be okay with mediocre. Don't let us be okay with just a little bit of time. Don't let us be okay with the every day of what we're doing because it's not enough because change is not happening, Lord. Change is not happening, Lord. There's so many souls that need to be saved more, Lord Jesus. There's so many more people we need to connect to that we've been connected to in this ministry. And I've seen fruit come up and I've seen things happen, Lord Jesus. But I'm not willing to settle. I want more, Lord Jesus. And I pray that for all of us, that we just have that desire in our hearts to want more, Lord Jesus, for more people to come to you, for more people to experience the taste of your grace and your savingness and your new creation and your new life that we have in you that's hidden in Christ, Lord Jesus. And it's not an easy road. It's a very narrow road, Lord. But I pray for us to be guided by you, that you hold our hand the whole way through, Lord. And in weakness, we are made in perfect strength, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.